The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, You are so good and gracious, and we thank You uh, for all that You have given to us. We thank You, Lord, for rest. We thank You for this parish. I thank You for, and also thank You for work and for the purpose that You give to us. We ask that You, as we gather today and, and just reflect, ask that You would send Your Spirit upon this group, and uh, that what I have to say uh, and in my reflection might be a blessing uh, to those who are here. Uh, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, I first want to apologize to the people in the, uh, in the kitchen, because I said this morning I popped in to thank them for getting up and like I normally do, and, and, and I said, you know, it's the new schedule. I'd be surprised if we got that many coming for, uh, for breakfast. Uh, whoops. Good job, guys, getting here for breakfast. Well done. Um, just a, a, a few things that I uh, kind of want to want to say. I mean, this is really just I, again. I just can't thank you, the church enough. Uh, it, it just seems like while I was gone, things just really ran well. I mean, I know that some some folks are more involved in that than others, but but um, I mean, Elaine. Who, Elaine. Is yeah. Elaine in here? Do you know that Elaine's birthday was this past week? Oh. Yes. Oh, happy birthday, Elaine. You, y'all, y'all sang me happy birthday last week. So, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Elaine. Happy birthday to you. I mean, so many, so many folks. Um, I saw uh, the loose brocks here, Frank, my senior warden. Uh, thank you so much for all that you did. Uh, but I just so this week, I mean, I, coming back, I just wasn't quite sure, like how it was going to be. Um, for uh, for more than a year, I would feel uh, this knot of anxiety uh, when I was driving up to church. Now, most of that had to do with this denominational stuff, the diocesan work that I was doing. Um, and, uh, but just kind of as the day got closer to September 10th to come back and there was a little sort of muscle memory, you know, that just was, I was like, how's it going to be? How's it going to be? Of course, last Sunday was just so wonderful and I just felt so cared for and loved, but getting into the office this week, and I think Elaine and probably others can, can attest, I, I just felt so much lighter. Like I felt happy to be there. I felt just... Um, there was none of that old anxiety. Even I had standing committee stuff, and it, you know, it's not a lot better. You know, it's kind of different right now. But, um, but it's I just so I just was uh, as I got into the office, and then as I was preparing for the sermon, as I even delivered the sermon this morning, I just felt like I really feel like it did what it was supposed to do. You know, and so I just am so grateful to you, the church, and to uh, all that helped make this possible. Uh, it's just an extraordinary commitment to me personally that I do not take. Uh, for granted, and I'm so grateful for it, and I hope that you feel like it pays dividends in your spiritual life uh, as well, but it certainly has paid dividends and is paying dividends uh, in mine. Uh, so, so thank you. Just want to say that sort of right up front that I feel like it was successful. Um, I didn't know what to expect really with it, um, because I've never taken a sabbatical before, but it was it was great. Uh, you are over there. Hey there, this is my Travel partner, travel buddy. Um, 
anything that you want to say or add, add, you might want to sit up closer. I mean, do you have anything you want to say or add to the... Uh, Can we add anything? Yeah. I, <laughs> do you want to talk? <laughs> you go ahead. I'll get some coffee and All right. I'll sit by you. Okay. <laughs> All right. I do have a thing, but um, I'm so, standing So what, what is a sabbatical? I mean, I, I really thought that... I mean, I've kind of always in my mind, well, sabbatical is the time you get away, but you got to make it productive. You know, you got to go study. you got to um, do something that you can bring back. Uh, you know, hopefully it's life-giving to you, but you got to be able to bring back. And actually what I bring back is arrested me. Um, but, but so I looked it up, and it's, uh, sabbatical is it's a period of, of paid leave granted to, this is just for the, uh, from the dictionary that's on my computer, university teacher or other worker for study or travel, Traditionally, one year for every seven years. Oh, my goodness. No. Um, but the, yeah, the five minutes, he, the example, he took a three-month sabbatical. So it's just, it's, it's um, the origin, Old English from Latin, sabbatum, via Greek, from Hebrew. So it's gone through a few iterations, but it's from the original word Shabbat, which means Sabbath or to rest. To rest. That's really what... I mean, we're commanded, actually. One of, it's number four, right? Uh, the Ten Commandments, to rest. And Jesus, God rested on the seventh day. We are to rest, have a work rest into our, the pattern and the rhythm of our lives. Um, but sometimes it's understood that uh, whether it's in academia or, um, uh, or in, the, in, in the church, and I really, it's actually, from what I've seen, it's actually that pattern is creeping into the corporate world as well, but just taking a sabbatical, taking some time uh, away uh, to kind of refocus, uh, rejuvenate, to reset, and, uh, and really to rest, not just to, and I knew going in, this, like just sleeping or lounging by the pool for three months, I wasn't going to really do anything. I needed to be active, I needed to see things, I needed to um, get away and be creative, and, uh, and that was good. So I had a, um, a few goals as, as we you know, we wrote the grant before the first election, and so we had no idea, like, how, how important this time was going to be. I mean, we knew it was going to be important, um, and I, the grant, actually, I didn't know about, I mean, I'd heard about the grant, but I didn't know how to do it or what to write or anything, and it was Lenora Gregory who came to us and said, if you're going to, um, if you're going to, apply for the Lilly Grant, you need to do it now, and that'll take place, you know, at least 12 months from now, and so it was, that was super helpful. Uh, Lenora also is the one who gave us a lane, so I will forever <laughs> be in your debt, ever, forever and ever, um, but one of my friends who, I've got several friends who applied for the Lilly Grant and didn't get it, um, and so I didn't ask them, but I asked, uh, I, I had a couple of friends who did get it, and I said, well, tell me, how, you know, I actually read over their grants, and um, one, of them, uh, one of them said something that was so helpful to me. He said, he said, they do not want to pay for your doctor of ministry degree, and they will, not, they will not pay for your doctor of ministry degree. You will get denied. They want you to rest. They want to give you money so you can do something in your, that, that lights your heart on fire, that uh, something that just gives you life. He said, if you want to go be a, always want to be a cordon bleu chef, then go to Paris and take the class. You know, like that's what they want to pay for. 
And, um, and I had some, some goals, and I wanted um, to connect with my faith heritage, with my family, with my God, and with myself. Faith heritage, because we're, you know, we're descended from the Church of England. And uh, we, uh, you know the history, and I'm going to talk about some of the history. But I just, I've never been to England, and, um, and I thought it was really important to go to some of those sites on pilgrimage, really, and just see Canterbury and see Oxford and see uh, London, St. Paul's Cathedral, and just all it's so lots of different sites, but not just the sites, but see the places where some of my uh, heroes of the faith had been. And that was going to be really important uh, to me, and it ended up being really, really wonderful in some ways in, that I couldn't, couldn't have even expected. I wanted to connect with my family because, I mean, not only have they seen me just really kind of depleted in, in some ways, but um, Caroline was going off to school. Y'all, she was uh, came home Friday night. She went back for, uh, they had a little football game yesterday, there yesterday. Um, and, uh, and so she got back for the Gators. I'm so excited that, that she was able to go to that game. It was so great. She's thriving. She's, I mean, it is just, she's doing so great. However, uh, we wanted to have some, some important family time before she left and knew that I wanted, I needed the time to get her to orientation and then get her to drop off her school and everything. So we wanted to really have that time with her as a family of five before she, uh, flew the coop. And, um, and then just connect with God and with myself. I mean, those are just wanted to really sort of recenter. And so I, um, I decided that I would read through the Psalms, and I read them pretty slow. I wanted to get an average of about 25 verses in a day of Psalms. So sometimes I would read two or three or four Psalms, and sometimes I would read half a Psalm. But, um, but it was just, it made the Psalms, like if you're going through something difficult, or, or, or not, but if, especially if the Psalms understand us. Like you don't have to say, well, which psalm should I read? Just read the psalms. They, they cover the gamut of human emotion. And they cover the gamut of redemption. I mean, there's stuff in there. I mean, these, some of the psalmists are super angry at God. Some of them, you know, sometimes the psalm, psalmists, and I would say almost half. I was surprised as I went through the psalm, psalms. Almost half of the psalms are, are David or, or somebody saying, where are you? Why aren't you doing anything? I'm getting killed here. Literally. Like, people want to take my life. And, and I pray, but, and I'm crying, and, and there's just, it doesn't seem like you're doing anything. And yet, the Lord is always working, and, um, and always, almost always, He says, and yet I will praise the Lord. And yet, even though, even though it's so hard, and yet, I will praise the Lord because I know that you must be working. And I can't tell you how restorative that was for me just to slowly uh, go through that. And, and really just kind of, um, as I mean, I've had people tell me, um, wow, you just don't even look the same. Like, you just look different. And then you looked in, in the spring. I don't know if you uh, see that. It's not just the beer I drank. But the, um, the um, but it was just, it really, I think, I feel like I did connect with myself. One of the things that I tried to do with that is I journaled, and I journal almost every day. And I'm not going to let you read it, um, but it's just, I mean, just a lot. It's just, it's a lot of. Uh, I'm just, just. That's how I. In some ways, that's my best prayer. 
Um, that's my best prayer. I also read a lot of just dumb spy novels with blowing, blowing stuff up. And, and, um, and I kind of got tired of it after a while, but it was just, it was great. I read about a novel a week, even through England and, and everything, and that was fantastic just to kind of, it's like watching a movie. I mean, if, you, some, if you're a big reader, like I just, um, it's, it's, you hardly even see the words. You just kind of watch it go. And, and that, was, that was super fun. Um, and, and I also read a book called How to Pray. Now, if you remember um, last year, right before I left, we did a class called the Lectio class in the Rector's Forum, five weeks. A guy named, who has just this killer accent, just this awesome sort of English accent. He just talks real slow. And um, Pete Grieg is his name. He wrote a book called How to Pray. And actually, I loved it so much. I thought it was, it was very accessible and just kind of, even though um, I should know how to pray, like it was, I found it really helpful. And I actually want to go through that book here, probably not in the rector's form, but maybe on a Wednesday night or something. So um, if you're interested, you should all have your hands raised. Okay. Um. <laughs> I know, but I'm just, now that I'm back, I'm so funny. You know, so that's, um, I'm just, just witty, witty. Whittier, witty Whittier. Um, so here's, this is a paragraph from, from the grant, and I'm just, you know, this, you're like, where are the pictures? Um, yeah, they're coming. Um, so this sabbatical will allow me to, uh, the chance to be still and reflect deeply on the last seven years. It will give me the space to restore my energy, mental focus, and creativity. It will allow me to reconnect with some of my great theological heroes in England, that was important, and to, and, what, and to what it was about them that inspired me so much, particularly in seminary. And perhaps most importantly, it will give me the chance to connect with my family at a critical juncture in our life. Just talking about Caroline going off to college. These experiences will be broken up by at least two silent retreats. I got one in, brigaded meditation and deep reflection sabbatical will come at an irreplaceable time in our family's life as my daughter will be graduated from high school and heading off to college. So you were so, we got the grant and we're so uh, grateful for that, so grateful for you. So we had Pentecost, we had a big party, we got packed up and that Saturday the 3rd we headed off to England. And so on, you know, we got there on Sunday morning flying all night long and uh, we just kind of took a bus tour, hop on, hop off bus tour. It was actually really weird. Remember, the, um, there was, it was one of those uh, like double-decker bus without a top. And on that double-decker bus was a rap group who were filming uh, at driving. They were not very, a very well-known rap group because they had to film with their computer driving around the hop on, off, hop off bus. Uh, it was very weird and very distracting. But, um, but we made it through... Uh, I, I don't think he's made it big yet. I don't know. I'm surprised. Um, they they actually ended up being pretty nice. But the first day, and, and I'm as I was going through this uh, this weekend, putting this together, I, I really I'm not going to get through much today. Um, but I want to kind of just show you sort of what we did in London. Uh, we went the first week was in London, and then we went to Scotland and, and Wales, and then back down to um, the Cotswolds. But first. Went to London, and the first day went to Westminster Abbey. We had this uh, full-day private tour with this wonderful, wonderful tour guide named Martha? Yes. Something like that. 
Um, and she was um, unforgettable. And, um, except for her name, but I remember her heart. And um, so Westminster Abbey. So what is really, really neat, I mean, you know, we got there at the beginning of June and they had just weeks before had the coronation uh, of, of King Charles. And so this, you know, if you, if you watched it, you saw these, uh, these tiles. You know, I just, that's why I wanted to put it, just not only to show the grandeur of it, but to show the tiles, because I, I remember watching uh, the tiles, you know, and seeing that. I didn't really watch much of the... Huh. <laughs> missing a foot. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so, so that actually, that's where he walked down there, and right there in the golden place... Um, that's that's where he was uh, crowned, right in in front of that. And I think I mentioned it last week, and I didn't take a lot of pictures of different statues, but I mean there are statues everywhere uh, in Westminster Abbey of statesmen, generals, um, parliamentarians, and I was just so struck. And and actually, um, our tour guide was—I don't know that she'd ever thought about this because it's just what she's grown up with, but. I was so struck with the difference of church, um, the connection of church and state, and how glad I am that I'm not uh, putting a statue up of Lenny Curry, regardless of what I think about him, you know. But that I'm not putting a, I'm not bound to the state. We've always, I've always thought, wouldn't it be nice to have you know faithful leaders and stuff. And of course, we want that. But man, is it different to have the church obligated to say a blessing or a prayer over? Uh, the, the activities and the persons, regardless of their faith, regardless of their moral character, regardless of anything. And, and it was just, I was, just, I don't know, I was profoundly struck. And, and in fact, there's a lot of that just really made me kind of uncomfortable with the thought of it. And, and to think of the archbishop blessing and, and putting the crown on and saying, you're God's chosen servant. And, you know, it, it was just a, I think in the providence of God, yes, there must, that must be right, but, I mean, it's just, it was just, I was just really struck by the difference there. They have uh, 3,300 plaques around uh, Westminster Abbey for different uh, luminaries of British history. Um, this was one of my favorite, though. Uh, this was the tomb of Queen Elizabeth I and her sister, Bloody Mary. <laughs> So you have Queen Elizabeth and Mary Tudor, and they're buried in the same vault, and yet Elizabeth is on top. That's Elizabeth. Mary's nowhere to be seen. So if you remember the history, um, King Henry VIII died. His son came to the throne. I'm going to show you something about him in just a minute, uh, Edward VI. He died young. He, was, he came to the throne young, died young. And then the next in line was Mary Tudor. And her mom was the one who got just royally mistreated, uh, literally, I guess, royally mistreated, uh, by King Henry VIII, uh, Catherine of Aragon. She was a devoted Catholic from Spain. And so Mary, uh, uh, Catherine was Mary's mother, and she was a committed Catholic, and she was going to kick out these um, Church of England Protestants. They're not like the uh, Lutherans. They, some of their theology was, was quite the same, but they had separated from Rome, and she was bringing it back, and she was killing everybody that had anything to do with it. That's why she's called Bloody Mary. 
And so, um, and so she uh, didn't last particularly long, and there was uh, a lot of rejoicing when she died. And Elizabeth, her half-sister, came to the throne and was one of the great monarchs in, in history. And, um, and it just says something about laying down their um, different convictions, laying down their lives for Christ and conscious sake. So they, they both had deeply held convictions about Christ, and it led them in very different directions. The black uh, plaque at the top says it's in Latin, but it says something about maybe they're reconciled in heaven in in the afterlife. But Elizabeth uh, is one for whom we all are in a great debt of gratitude because she, uh, she basically saved the Church of England by saying, it's called the Elizabethan Settlement. So we can be Catholic and Protestant. It's called the Via Media, and we still cling to that uh, in, in many ways today. That's why um, many of you come from the Catholic faith, but you, are, uh, you feel right at home because the worship feels so similar. Uh, but I preach uh, a slightly different, sort of a lot of justification by faith, which is the more Protestant um, thing. So it's, we're right in the middle there, but, and it's largely because of Queen Elizabeth. And that was, it was a really cool thing to see Elizabeth's tomb, and I guess Mary underneath. You really can't find much about Mary. I mean, there's nothing, there's like Queen Elizabeth, and there's, you know, asterisks at the bottom, like lower, little print, Mary. But here's one of the luminaries, Guillermo Shakespeare, um, William Shakespeare, and then there's Winston Churchill, there's T.S. Eliot, there's Alfred Lord Tennyson. I think right above them is Gerard Manley Hopkins. So, you know, some, some people of faith, some people not of faith, um, they're all, all through there. It was just, but that statue of William Shakespeare is actually recreated in a park out in London. Uh, and I saw that when I ran and stumbled across the, um, the premiere of the new Indiana Jones movie. And um, there was Harrison Ford right up on the, um, so it's Indiana Jones and, um, and William Shakespeare right, right there. And Mary Poppins actually right around the corner. Um, but it was, you know, it's just, again, it's like, was William Shakespeare a great saint of the church? Uh, probably not. So, um, so in one of the little tiles is the only memorial to King Edward VI. He was the son of Henry VIII who came to the throne after Henry died. Henry died a committed Catholic. His problem was with the Pope. He didn't want to be anything else, but he did want to be able to um, have a son. And his wives weren't producing sons, and so he uh, divorced them or had them beheaded. Um, And so, um, I don't know, times have changed, you know. Uh, But um, but there was actually, so when, when, when he died, it was under him that Thomas Cranmer, who was the archbishop who split uh, from Rome and allowed him to uh, divorce Catherine of Aragon um, and sort of take the church in in that different direction, it was really, it was under Edward that Thomas Cranmer had the freedom to uh, start the book of, I mean, write the first book of Common Prayer and the second book of Common Prayer and to begin to use these Protestant doctrines, justification by faith, um, the liturgy in the language of the people, the Bible is the word of God um, and should be uh, given in English and allowed for the people. The, the first homilies were, 
were distributed around. He wrote a book of homilies. And so it was really under Edward that reform happened, began to happen. And of course, Mary Tudor came to the throne right after that and, um, and tried to destroy uh, all of that. But for me, it was so remarkable. And I would begin to see this theme. For, for me, he was, I was really trained to be a Reformation. I mean, I'm not a professional theologian, but I'm a you know, sort of theologian. Uh, in my the- Reformed in my theology, all the things I just mentioned, Martin Luther is a huge influence uh, on me. And I sort of expected to go to England and see this whole, like, everybody's so thankful for the Reformation throughout the Church of England. And it was not like that. It was really, it was really interesting. We'll see more about that when we get to uh, get to Canterbury. But I was just so taken by the fact that this is the only. I mean, he was this. He he, he didn't. He wasn't much. He didn't rule for very long. A few years. He was. He was always sickly, and it was. This was a plaque that was just done in 1966. It says, "This stone was placed here by Christ's Hospital in Thanksgiving for their founder, Edward King Edward VI." 500 years before. On, on, here's uh, the tomb of, of Henry III, you know, made a big deal. Here's the tomb of Edward I, Edward I made a big deal. But King Edward VI, who made it all happen, not much. It was interesting. I don't know whose shoe that is. I don't know. <laughs> so that same day, we went around with, with our uh, wonderful tour guide and um, we saw the changing of the horse guard. That was really neat. We didn't say, but it takes a long time. It's like an hour. Um, but they, uh, they were actually practicing because every year uh, the king has two birthdays. Um, and he still only gets one year older, but they celebrate it twice. There's like his actual birthday, and then there's the official state birthday. And they have all these parades and everything. And they were practicing uh, for that. But they change out the horse guard. And rather, you would think that they would have the stable right next to the place, but it's like two miles away. So every day, two or three times a day, they ride the horses up for two miles. They have to stop traffic, and they have the big parade, and then they do the big thing for an hour, and they ride them back. And all the way. It's like, just build stables right next to it. I don't know. They don't do that. We saw Buckingham Palace. That's us in front of Buckingham Palace. And, um, and it's just a real big building. You know, and I guess over there is the, the sort of balcony that the king's come out on and wave to the crowd. And then this castle is the Tower of London. And I didn't, you know, I've always heard about the Tower of London. I kind of expected a tower. Um, And it, you know, when it was built in the like 1200s, it was a tower. Um, It's just dwarfed by everything around it now. Uh, But it's a very stout building. And all sorts of people were held there. Thomas Cranmer was held there. Uh, Just all sorts of folks. And inside you can see, um, this is Luke's favorite thing, you can see all sorts of like weapons from, you know, they've got a- the actual uh, armor of, of Henry VIII and, that, and some others uh, as well. And they actually have Henry VIII's armor when he was a young man, and it was like this big, and then they have it when at the end of his kingship, it was like this, this big. He was actually, I think, my age, he was 49 when he died. I mean, he accomplished a lot. He was an incredible man, like just... Renaissance man, super, super, super smart, uh, really, really athletic, really committed to his divine right as a king, um, and and uh, and a lot of that um, uh, influenced how he how he ruled. What anything you want to 
say about these things, my love? Oh, I mean, it was just, it was a, it was a wonderful time for us to, um, you know, just to be together and to learn about all these places that, you know, I mean, that, yes, Joe had learned about in, or in seminary and all of the, especially, you know, in Westminster Abbey and the, just the same thing that you're talking about, how the ways that we've thought about it or learned about it or thought that it would be, um, it was really cool to actually be there and, um, and, and experience it, um, just really special, even though it might not have um, shown up the way that we thought. It was, you know, like places that you've learned about your whole life or that have been really important um, to be able to experience it in person and mm-hmm. together. And, you know, with lots of, you know, lots of funny things right. added in along the way. Yeah. Um, was really, really just so special. Also in the Tower of London are the crown jewels. Uh, that's, that's where the crown jewels are kept. And y'all, uh, 10,000 talents. I mean, like, it is unbelievable. <laughs> What, uh, how much? I mean, it's just, I mean, they've got, like, all the, all this, they've got the most unbelievably humongous, solid gold um, uh, chalices and, uh, and vessels for their altar guild, uh, just for the coronation. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they've got a patent, or, or, I mean, it's like this big, it is unbelievable. And I was like, I, I need two of those. Um, it, it was... The crown, it, it, your they're not in my budget. Yeah, no. I'm, but also sort of like, I mean, it's so beautiful and lovely to see, but I'm sure like if you've been there too, it's not like we look at that and think, oh, this is what we need. Like it was an interesting feeling. I, I was, I, yeah, I was a little, like I was offended like, actually by know, the wealth of these church I, things. I mean, it was just, yeah. So, um, but amazing to see and be a part of, but also like um, letting, you know, letting you know that, the, all that we have is the monarchy is weird, y'all. I mean, it's just like it's got they have all these scepters and you know just like solid gold chains. They look like I don't know, just it's just strange. It's really just so different. And so it wasn't just church stuff. I mean, it's like it was yeah, it was just it was wild. And um, and the diamond like we didn't get to see they it wasn't the actual one. It was like a replica. And even the replica was I don't know more worth more than my house. Um, all right, so here's the, um, uh, in the Tower of London, we have the beef eater. He, they're like the guards. He didn't, I didn't know he could really guard much, but he looked good. Um, and then uh, this is the world's most photographed phone booth right here. Because people do what my family did, and they stay in the phone booth and take a picture of Big Ben. And I wasn't there, actually. Luke and I had gone. You tell them, I mean, I guess it was like everybody's just taking everybody's picture. You don't have to worry if somebody run off with your phone because you're just all... There was a little line, a little queue. Mm-hmm. Uh, we knew we had been there, uh, you know, we had been in England for a while when we were at the airport, uh, and Luke said, Mom, I was going to go to the loop, but the queue is too long. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I didn't know that story. That's good. But it's just a lot of fun, fun little things. Um, I thought that we got to, we went to Leeds Castle, which... Was well, beautiful. <laughs> I mean, it's beautiful. They got a bunch of beautiful castles. I mean, it, you know, it's just, but it was, it was, it was, it was beautiful. This one was like decked out in 1920s stuff. It was, it was a whole different, a whole different vibe. We went to the White Cliffs of Dover and uh, also not exactly what I expected, but what I was just floored by was the history. I mean, some, 
you know the history that this is where they launched this massive rescue uh, to go across the channel to France and, and pick up like hundreds of thousands of soldiers and bring them back. And they were only able to do it because of the weather. It was, a, it was called a miracle. And it was just, it was amazing. And so to be there in that place, I expected like sheer white, just you know, gleaming. And it wasn't, but it was, um, but the history was what I was most impressed with. Does anyone live in that castle, George? Is it just like a museum? I mean, it belongs to a family. There might be, but I don't think there's, I think it's mostly just a museum. They actually have some really cool like gardens and like a maze and all sorts of other things. Um, and then that's, that was our tour guide one of the days. I, Simon, I think was his name. But the reason I'm showing you this is because this is Greenwich. And so this is, this is the Greenwich Mean Time line right here. So that's, that's, the, um, that's the building that they decided we have to have a place where time starts. Well, where is it going to be? How about in the middle of our table? Literally, that was the conversation. And so they just, they got their map from their table and drew a line around the globe, and it goes right through here, like this. And so technically, that's one day and that's another, but, um, but then they just set it up into time zones. But that's, that's uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. Also, that's right in the middle of a Christopher Wren hospital. Christopher Wren was a great, one of the, the great architects, and, um, it's and, and it's a military hospital now, but... Um, I'll show you some more Christopher Wren stuff when um, uh, next week. I'll do it on time. All right, let's see. So this is Canterbury Cathedral. And I wanted to show you this because you've never seen anything as big as Canterbury Cathedral. So if I'm standing at the back of Canterbury Cathedral, looking all the way up, then there's this screen, right? It's called a screen, but it's like marble. And it's right here. And the tower in the middle goes up right there. And then if you walk through those doors, this is what's on the other side. It's too, like, like our church could fit inside both of these buildings three times. It is, it is, you can't believe how big it is. It is just enormous. And, um, and so this is called the choir, Q-U-I-R-E. And it's where the choir, C-H-O-I-R, uh, sits when they're singing. I have, like, here's the, here's the pulpit. Here's the altar. I, I don't, here's also an altar. I don't really know how it, would, it works in any sort of practical way. There are people that go to, just go to church there. That's their church, is Canterbury Cathedral. I would hate being the dean of Canterbury. I didn't get to meet him. Um, but I would hate being a kid. But it's a different kind of ministry. He's, he doesn't have like a parish. He does have some uh, parish. He's got about 40 clergy or something like that. But they just, they are, they, their job is to welcome the world. St. Paul's Cathedral is uh, very similar. Actually, I talked to one of the priests there as well. Um, I'll talk about that more next week. But I mean, it's just massive. Why is, it impo- why is Canterbury important? It's the Archbishop of Canterbury doesn't, get, doesn't live there. He doesn't even hardly ever work there. But he, uh, he is the Archbishop of Canterbury because the first missionary who came to England was sent from Rome. His name was Augustine, named after St. Augustine, I guess. But they call him Augustine, Augustine of Canterbury. And that was in the 600s. And I'm going to tell you 
Um, more about that when I look at my sort of pilgrimage time next week. But, um, but it was, it started there as this little, that was his sort of base camp for ministry was when he got from there from Rome, uh, Augustine, he, uh, he set up in Canterbury. And, um, and it was, and it just kind of grew from there. And he, um, then there was a Franciscan monastery there and there was all sorts of things. But this is what has uh, developed uh, over the centuries. They lost one of the cathedrals and they rebuilt it. And in some ways, it's still under construction, but it's just, it's, a, it's an amazing, amazing... How did they lose it? How did they lose fire, it? yeah. It was uh, a, a lot more wood. It was like in the 1500s when they lost it. But uh, yeah, it, it's just... You can see, like, if you ever read Pillars of the Earth, anybody uh, read by Ken Follett, it's a remarkable read. But you can see, they talk about the architecture in England and building the cathedrals, and it's just, it goes, it's very narrow, it goes straight up, and it lets in so much light. I mean, see how light it is, and there's, there's no, there's no like lighting. I mean, there's they have a, a few lights around, but it's, there's just not much lighting. Um, it's it's really all sunlight. Very very cool, mostly sunlight. Um, I wanted to show you these two pictures. Uh, this is the pulpit that's in the first building, and then that's the altar at the back. Um, and you can kind of see how part of the neat thing is it goes up, it, it ascends. But I just, this was, this pulpit, I want one. No, I'm sorry. Uh, I actually don't. But we were standing there and Caroline looked at this pulpit and said, that is so awesome. And I thought, you know, it is, it's beautiful. She said, right here is the cross and so you're looking at the preacher and you're, you're all you, as you're hearing whatever the preacher has to say, you're thinking about Jesus on the cross. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I was going to tell you that. Um, <laughs> that was, I was, I, and I just thought it was so, that was such a beautiful image. It's a little gaudy, but it's a really, uh, I thought that was really profound. This I wanted to show you because there's a chair, and you, I'll show you too, but there's behind the altar at the very top, there's a chair, and it's called the Throne of Canterbury. And this is where every archbishop for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years has become the archbishop. And he's the only one who gets to sit in that chair. And I saw a video that said he only sits in it like twice a year. But, he, um, but that's his throne. And it actually, if I got my history right... It is the throne that Augustine of Canterbury sat in when they made him the archbishop in the 600s. I mean, really. Now, what used to be behind there is a shrine to Thomas Becket. Henry VIII had it torn down. It wasn't a good look. And I'm going to tell you the story of Thomas Becket. I need to get my facts straight. It's been a while. Thomas Becket, what I was... Again, I went to Canterbury expecting this sort of the glory of the Reformation, the separation from Rome, the, um, the, the Book of Common Prayer, Thomas Cramer, Canterbury. He was the Archbishop of Canterbury. Like, I expected all that. I never saw the word Cranmer in Canterbury. In fact, there's a lot of resentment around Canterbury for um, the Reformation because the zealots from the Reformation were so committed to their Protestant ways that they would storm it, knock out the, the glass, cut off the heads of the statues. 
I mean, there, and there's still, and actually Thomas Beckett, who was murdered famously in the, um, uh, in the cathedral, was, um, there was a shrine and there's all sorts of uh, historical tales, legends that say that people were, you know, that would, would go on pilgrimage to here, to see the shrine of Thomas Beckett would be miraculously healed and all these things, that, um, that that's really the focal point still. Of Canterbury, very very little about any sort of reformation, which is actually eye opening. Not not necessarily disappointing, but just eye opening for me. Like again, it's not how we imagine it, but it's how it is. So that was really interesting. That's it. That's what I've got for today. Um, that's it. Week one. <laughs> um, I'll put that back on. Let's see. Um, but it's just it was really um, it was really neat. To see these different spots, but I think I told you I asked Thomas. I said, "Man, I, I, you know, I'm in, like in my element. How's it going, man? How you how you liking this?" He's like, "Well, I mean, I feel like I'm learning." <laughs> so next week, I'll look, we'll look at Scotland and, and Wales, and then we'll also maybe talk about. Uh, well, I'll talk about my pilgrimage time in Oxford, and it's just such cool things that I got to see. Any any we got. A minute or two. Any uh, questions? Questions? I actually was supposed to end a little bit early because of the, <laughs> the bishop's coming. So, um, yeah, let me get one. Adrian. You got to do a lot of things when you were in each place. Did you feel rushed at all? Because it seems like you got to really soak it up. Well, we really kind of rushed as a family. Uh-huh. Uh, but when I was by myself after they left, I, re- I wasn't rushed at all. I got to see everything that, in the places where I went, I didn't go to York or anything, but I did, there are a couple other things I would have liked to have gone to, but, I, but in the places I went, I wasn't rushed at all. I got to see everything I wanted to see. Any last sort of parting words? Yeah, parting word. I was just going to say that um, it, was, it was really neat that where, and this is not specifically about the England part, but just in general during the sabbatical time, um, we would go and visit different churches, you know, all different denominations, different churches every week and all this, but um, it was really sweet and kind of a side dish of, we didn't expect this, but the, um, that it was important to hear the kids, you know, even as we were going to these different places and different experiences and things, they would say, can we just go to our church? <laughs> it was so, it was just really sweet. And that, so we thank y'all for that. That, um, that this is still our home. Like all these were exciting things and fun to, you know, fun to experience together. And it was re- it was re- busy but restful. And but it was it was really sweet to hear them say that. You know, that after the week, they're like, "Can we just go to? Can we just go back to our church?" <laughs> so that's what I want. All right. <laughs> all right. I'm gonna um, this week. I'm gonna have to take a, try to take a chance and look through Amy's phone because she has a lot more uh, photos than I've got. She has a lot of a lot of photos. And so, um, so I'll try to come up with something, see anything I missed. But we'll talk next week about Scotland and also about um, sort of some of the pilgrimage things that I saw, which are really special. All right. Confirmation day. Go to church. As a direct descendant of Henry VIII's grandmother, yes. <laughs> I've been through all this over the years so many times. It's wonderful to hear your experience.